The epistle reading is from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 to 28. The Supremacy of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Here ends the first lesson. The Gospel reading is from Luke chapter 10, reading from verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Here ends the Gospel reading. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. What is this life if full of care we have no time to stand and stare, no time to stand beneath the boughs and stare as long as sheep or cows, no time to see when woods we pass where squirrels hide their nuts in grass. No time to see in broad daylight streams full of stars like skies at night. No time to turn at beauty's glance and watch her feet how they can dance. No time to wait till her mouth can enrich that smile her eyes began. A poor life this, if full of care, we have no time to stand and stare. How did you or do you react when suddenly somebody turns up on the doorstep? Um, um, in our house growing up, um, it was always the mild, mad panic of uh, how many things can you quickly hide and move off the sofa, shove up your jumper, whatever, so that actually whoever it was had the false understanding that our house was slightly clean and tidy, that we were well organised and weren't entirely chaotic. Oh, it's just our family then, right? Okay, that's, that, that's, that's nice to know. Um, were you one of those families where you had the front room, the designated room that nobody was allowed in ever, apart from Christmas Day, and then if somebody turned up, then they would always have that impression. Uh, this is a bit more familiar for some of you. Okay. Um, my mother, throughout her life, always reminded me of Mrs. Bucket in uh, Keeping Up Appearances. That sort of desperation sort of give the impression that she was completely and totally in order. And, and she would be the one, very much like Martha, running around trying to make sure everyone had a nice bit of cake and so on. Often, when I've heard the story of Martha and Mary, it's always been either with the idea of uh, cleanliness equals godliness has been one of the things, um, and that that has always been challenged. The other part of it has always been about the importance of finding and carving out some time for prayer, and that's always been the other interpretation of it, that we're supposed to put aside those worries and those how we are perceived by other concerns to actually find that time for prayer. But I'm not entirely sure that that's the sole interpretation that we can get from this reading. Martha feels the weight of convention. 
she feels that it is expected that when you have guests in your house that you make sure that they are well fed, well watered, that they are happy and so on. After all, it is Jesus who's in the room. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, the, the thought of having Jesus in your house, best china out, Battenberg cake, and maybe a bit of apple pie as well, if we're really going the whole hog, you know, got to make him feel very, very welcome. She feels the weight of convention. She has all of those sense of rules weighing her down. Martha, come on, live a little bit. Stuff the convention occasionally. You're flapping and you're faffing so much that you're not actually able to hear the really important things. So often we create rules, we create burdens on people. We expect them to conform to us and to our expectations. And those of you who think that in this church we're very inclusive and we don't have any rules, can I point out to you that pretty much you have all sat in exactly the same place that you sat in last week and... In fact, I could probably, all right, well, I know Margaret's going to be over there, and I know that John's going to be there, you know, and I know that Joy's going to be there, but she might have an excuse. But, um, um, but um, you know, pretty much we all have those rules and those sense of expectations. And heaven offend a visitor to the church that has sat in the place where the person has always sat for 47 years. Um, who knows what's ever going to happen to them. We create these rules, we create these burdens, we create these expectations, and Martha is feeling them very much. So, yes, I will allow that one of the interpretations you can take from the story of Martha and Mary is about the importance of carving out some time in your day for prayer and of trying to find that space for the really important things. That is a valid interpretation that you can take from it. But there is another interpretation of this. Firstly, it's the fact that Martha um, is really given a hard time in this story. Jesus tells her off because of the fact that she's flapping and faffing so much. And yet if you go to John's Gospel, in the story where Martha and Mary welcome him because of the fact that their brother Lazarus has died, Martha is the one who says, my Lord, my God. She is the first person, before Thomas, before any of the other apostles, she is the one who proclaims who Christ truly is. She has that advanced depth of faith that is remarkable. She is the first to truly proclaim the full goodness and good news of Jesus. So are we judging her a little bit too prematurely? Is there another way of looking at this story? Because if you look at it, Martha is absolutely right. Mary's behavior is completely and totally unacceptable. How dare she? She's supposed to play the role of a host and she can't be bothered. Furthermore, she's breaking the law. She's sitting with men. What a notion. Who knows what could possibly happen there? Um, And worse, she's a woman and she's receiving teaching. And we all know the dangers of educating women because, well, you know, their, their little minds just won't cope with it, will they, according to the law at any rate? Martha is technically correct. 
Mary is completely and totally in the wrong. The women are supposed to serve the refreshments and then beat a hasty retreat. The question, though, is that whilst Mary is right and Martha is wrong, how then are they ever to be free? How on earth are women ever to be free if they are restricted from education? How are they to ever experience the fullness of life, political, religious, cultural, any other form of life you want that Jesus comes to give to every single one of us? How are they ever to be free if they're excluded from education and they are just to hold the role of the slave? Mary's wrong, Martha's right, but Jesus accepts and values and honours Mary's rebellion against social values. Now, how many women in our world today are still excluded from education? UNESCO report that 130 million girls in our world will never, ever finish uh, education up to the age of 18. And that is a very conservative estimate from them because they then highlight that uh, a further 50 million uh, children are refugees or internally displaced and so the figures we're not quite sure of how many of them are in some form of education in the refugee camps or not but potentially up to about 180 million girls will not complete education. How are they to be free? If you look at all of the advantages that education gives Particularly for girls, it means that they are much more likely to then know what to do when it comes to giving birth in a safe manner and all of those sorts of things. The basic health messages and so on are not getting through to that 180 million, let alone notions of freedom and so on. How many of you remember Malala a few years back and the attempts by the Taliban to prevent her from being educated? That, that story, unfortunately, is resonating throughout our world. This is not a story, Martha and Mary, from 2,000 years ago. It's a story for today. Kofi Annan said, knowledge is power, information is liberating. Education is the premise of progress in every society and in every family. The women excluded from education, the women who are spending their lives trudging day in, day out just to find some basic drinking water for their families, who will never know the fullness of life. Those who covert methods of exclusion are there to ensure that they are never truly part of the political sphere the deliberate exclusion of voices over the centuries from both politics. But also, let's be honest, the church has been very good at excluding women from the centres of power for far too long. It'll be most interesting with our new Bishop of Dover to see what she will be offering to the male establishment here in Canterbury. Uh, I'm quite looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. This week... We've seen the misogynist in chief, let's be polite about him, uh, offering his send her home mentality. He doesn't want those troublesome voices there to actually challenge him and his authority. Those pictures last year of him and his male friends signing off legislation about women's bodies and so on 
still the exclusion goes on and on. The church itself struggled, even from the earliest days, with the liberating community that Jesus was trying to bring about, where women were, were truly accepted and welcomed and valued, and that their contributions would also be valued and welcome. For Jesus, there is no exclusion. He wants Martha to be free, just as her sister will be. The weird thing about oppression is that it works in funny and covert ways. That when people see other people free and they themselves lack the freedom, they would almost prefer to see those free people incarcerated as well. Martha's response is a perfectly human one. Jesus, tell Mary to come and be part of what I'm doing, of my exclusion, because I don't want to see her move on in life. How often do we find that actually those groups who are excluded will then be pitched against another excluded, marginalised group so that actually nothing ever really changes? So we find ways of blaming the immigrant for our lot and then next week we might be blaming the Muslim and the week after that we might be blaming the benefit scroungers or whoever. We keep on finding ways of pitching the excluded against one another and never properly wrestling with the issues of how to find fullness of life for the entire community. Jesus challenges Martha. Stop your flapping and your faffing. Stop your collusion with the systems of injustice. Start your education. Start your education to resist that which is evil. The importance is clear in this reading of solidarity, of us working together with those who are excluded and marginalised so that we can work with them towards freedom and fullness for all of God's children. Mary, she's in the wrong. She shouldn't be doing what she's doing. It's unacceptable behavior by her. She's sitting with men. She's learning. She's not being a good host. And the shock is there from others in the room, but not from Jesus. How often do we act falsely shocked when people do challenge the systems of injustice? How dare Rosa Parks refuse to shift her butt on that bus? How dare those American footballers kneel during the national anthem? How dare those gay people riot on Stonewall 50 years ago? How dare people go and get themselves arrested at arms fairs that are wanting to sell arms to Saudi Arabia? There are still 130, 180 million girls in our world who will never fully be educated. There are still so many in our world who are excluded. There is still so much work that we, as the Church of Christ, can do and must do to advance God's kingdom. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is not just saying it's important to pray. He is saying it's about a radical gospel of inclusion. Those of you who are excluded, you will be the first in my kingdom. Those of us who have had the privilege of education, 
those of us who have the privilege of access to the gospel, this is not something we can keep hold of just for ourselves. We are to offer that learning and that wisdom and that good news to those who are excluded because we might actually learn something from them in return. The radical inclusion of the gospel means that those who have been excluded, those who are the marginalized, they're getting into the kingdom of God before you and I. But it might be our responsibility to offer them the benefits of our strength and our power so that in solidarity with them we can advance the kingdom of God. There's that old story about the, the novitiate monk who is terrified of the prospect of preaching and he, he stands in the pulpit on his first Sunday and he's so filled with fear and he says to the congregation, do you know what I'm going to say? And they say, yes. And so he says, well, in that case, I've nothing to teach you. And he, le he runs away. The monk, his senior monk says to him, that's not good enough. Next week, you've got to preach again. And so he stands in the pulpit and says, do you know what I'm going to say? And the congregation think they've got him wise. And so they say, no. And he says, well, if you don't know, I can't teach you anything. And he runs away. The time after, again, the senior monk says to him, that's not good enough, you've got to preach again. And so he stands in the pulpit, his knees are quaking, and he says, do you know what I'm going to say? And the congregation really are wise to him this time. Half of them say yes, and half of them say no. And he says to them, those of you who do know, tell those of you who don't. We are the ones who do know. It's our obligation now to go and tell those who don't that they can experience the fullness of life through Christ. We are not to hold on to our privileges. We are there to offer them to others. It is our responsibility to offer that radical inclusion of the gospel, to offer our solidarity with those who will not receive an education, those who will not have any hope for fullness of life. That is our obligation. That is what Jesus is commanding of us this day. So my prayer for us is that we will be willing to use our strength, our resources and our faith to reshape the world around. Amen.